to another episode of Hidden Doors and High Scores, a podcast where three dudes talk about games. First announcement is that uh, John is just very busy with life right now and uh, has taken a step back from the podcast. Uh, he may be coming back in in a while, but for now, I'm Austin. I'm Garrett. And I'm Chris. And today we're doing Backlog Boogaloo, Backlog Bonanza <laughs> 2 Electric Boogaloo, something like that. I don't, know what like that. I don't know what we're calling it. We did a Backlog Bonanza already, games that we've been meeting to play for a while, and we're going to do it again. We're each going to talk about a couple games just for a couple minutes, things that we haven't reviewed on the podcast proper. Austin, why don't you start us off? What have you been playing from the Backlog? So one of the games that I wanted to get into, I think it's called Quern. It's Q-U-E-R-N, colon, undying thoughts. I hate that every video game now has the colon in it. I don't know if you guys ever listened to Zero Punctuation. I was just about to bring this up. I was yeah, just about yeah. to say that. Every <laughs> time he goes, who fucking hates that shit? Yeah, so he just makes the who sound every time. <laughs> So I played Quern, Undying Thoughts, but this is actually a pretty cool game. It is a, it's like a puzzle exploration game uh, in the vein of Myst. It is not created by the guys who did Myst, but it is a very similarly designed game. You are on an island and there is ancient mystical magics at work and you go around the island piecing together contraptions and solving puzzles to unlock more and more of the island and sort of unravel the mystery of what's going on and why you're there and how all this magic shit works. It's a lot more linear than Mist, which I actually really appreciated. Mist, I just felt like when you got dropped on the island. Have you guys played Mist? Mm-hmm. A long time ago. Okay. So like when you get dropped on the island in Mist, it's just like you can go almost everywhere on the island and there's just stuff, but you don't really know where to put anything or you don't really know where to go and like what codes go with what puzzles. And you just kind of do a lot of wandering and pressing buttons and trying to figure things out. This game, it starts you in a very small area that slowly expands out and it's pretty linear the way you got to go through the puzzles. It feels a little bit like um, like escape roomy type puzzles, right? Like very straight logic you know you don't you don't need to do anything other than realize that those symbols correspond to those numbers and those numbers are how far you got to turn the wheel you got to do three cranks and then two cranks and then four cranks or whatever right Mm -hmm. pretty pretty simple stuff like that i thought the puzzles were very well designed there's one or two that are a little bit like trial and error like you just have to try something and see what it does and then kind of just try some different things and eventually figure it out, which not my favorite. But like by and large, I never got like really frustrated or aggravated with a puzzle. Pretty easy. They're pretty straightforward without being a walk in the park. It's it's definitely now, worth your brain. Was this the game that I saw you playing where it, there was like a sound puzzle and it was going like womp? Yes. Womp, and it was like waveforms. That was a cool puzzle. I yeah. really like that. Yeah, there are some really good puzzles in it. The puzzles are definitely what holds it together. There is a story. It's very mist-like, very like, you know, realms between worlds and shit like that. There's an end where you have a a, a Mass Effect 3 style ending. 
but only two options. It's just uh, you can choose the the green crystal or the red crystal. Uh, so there's uh, two two endings. Um, I thought the ending was a little disappointing. Um, it wasn't super satisfying, but overall, I thought it was a pretty damn good puzzle game. Uh, if you like games like Myst, it took me about twelve hours to beat, and it was like twenty five bucks. Um, I think it'll probably go on sale. I think I got it on sale for like twelve. And I recommend it. I think it's pretty damn good. It, it doesn't have all the sensibilities of like a modern gaming experience. It still feels like an old school game that you would have played on Windows 95. But, you know, it does have an autosave feature, which is pretty good. I was uh, I was pretty stoked on it. I, I didn't go in with super high expectations and uh, it it definitely exceeded them. It is currently $24.99 on Steam. Do you think it's worth it? Uh, I think if you if you like Mist, if you are looking for something like that, yeah, it is. It's actually okay. worth twenty five bucks. Um, if you're just like, that sounds interesting, but you're not sure, I would wait for a sale. I think for ten bucks, anybody will be happy with it. I make it a point to put any puzzle game Austin recommends on my wish list on Steam and buy them when they go on sale. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay, good. Well, later on, I'm going to talk about another puzzle game that I'm going to recommend that you do not wait for a sale, that you buy right now because everyone should play it. But I'll, <laughs> I'll save it. I'll save okay. it. Chris, what do you got? I played a game called Insurmountable. It came out last year in April by this like tiny German studio called Bite Rockers Games. It's a roguelike resource management slash like tactical mountain climbing game. <laughs> okay. <laughs> After roguelite and, t- and resource management, I was not expecting mountain climbing. Okay. So what the way you play the game is you, the point is to climb the mountain that's in front of you and you view this, you know, your character in third person. And there are these, you know, like space, you, you move spaces to climb the mountain and movement costs you energy. And once you get higher up the mountain, it gets colder. So you have to pay attention to your, your heat level and, once you get high up the mountain, you reach a thing called the death zone, which is where you start using oxygen. So you have to pay attention to your oxygen. Along the way, certain tiles will have like little event spaces. So some of them are like, um, you see a shooting star and it makes you feel good and replenishes some of your energy or some shit like that. Okay. Um, some of them are like caves. So you can rest in the cave and there's um there's like a time management system in the game as well. So like it go it moves from day to night depending on like how many spaces you move and like a number of hours. And so that will replenish your health and your heat and your energy, you know, depending on like how long you choose to rest, you can do short rest or long rest. Now, is there a chance that like a bear comes out of the cave and mauls you? Then there are other things. Okay. Uh, There are just like event spaces where like some random event will happen to you. And it's like, Oh, you like uh, found a crag in the like sometimes you go in the cliff and it'll pop up like a dialogue box and it says like oh there's a fissure in the back of the cave do you want to explore it and sometimes that gives you good stuff sometimes you like find items that can help you climb faster or replenish your health or do whatever sometimes it's uh it got dark and you touch something slimy and you lose some of your sanity which is the other re- the other resource that you have to pay attention to okay definitely then, was not expecting a sanity mechanic then you can meet some like you meet like strangers and sometimes they'll give you stuff or trade you for stuff or sometimes they'll like disappear mysteriously and it's weird 
So once you climb the first mountain, you have to go down the other side of it, which I was not ready for, but that's pretty easy to do. It's like really short. And then you get teleported and the game goes completely fucking off the rails. There's some shit about like a magic emerald or some shit and some nuclear radiation and a time loop and it's absolutely fucking bananas <laughs> the story to this game and it just gets weirder and weirder and the sanity resource becomes like more and more important i'm only like a third of the way through the game and you can like unlock other characters to play and the characters have different abilities so like you can get like a scientist who has better sanity or better able to deal with things that deal with sanity. And I don't remember what the other thing is, but it's something like that, right? Where it's like that other person has something better than the, the like standard adventure that you start with. And there's this whole plot and all these characters and stuff. And it's just, it's, it goes completely off the rails. Is it like once you complete a mountain, that's like a permanent checkpoint in the game? Yes. So there's like, there's three mountains that you have to climb and there's like side quests in each little mountain and you have to complete a certain number of them to unlock the next mountain. Um, so I've like just finished the first mountain and uh, yeah, it's pretty wild. I think it's a lot of fun. The thing is that it's not just like a, oh, point to the next thing and go. Like you actually have to pay attention to the terrain you're crossing because the terrain changes and some of it costs like more time and more energy to move across than other ones. So like, you really do have to think about like, can I go up around this way? Or like, do I have to find some other way to get like, there's not multiple paths up the mountain. Interesting. So you, hmm. you could like, you could like be like, Oh yeah, I'll just climb this way and just start climbing. And if you're not like looking where you're going, you might end up having to like go back down. You have and to backtrack. Yep. Mm, yeah. Cool. Okay. You do really have to pay attention. Like that's where it's like a tactics game. Like you really do have to pay attention to like what spaces you're using and how much like, and it'll tell you like, so you have to click on the space you want to move to. And then it'll tell you like, it's going to cost you this much energy and this much heat and this much oxygen. Are you sure you want to go there? And you have to, yeah. you know, click again to confirm it. Yeah. I've been having a ton of fun with it. It's really, really interesting. It's uh, it's twenty four ninety nine on both Steam and Epic, although it went free on Epic, uh, you know, a couple months ago. So it's obviously going on sale. I pretty much recommend it at full price. I'm having an absolute blast, and I haven't even finished it yet. But um, it will go on sale. So I, I highly recommend it. It's a, it's I've never played anything quite like it. Um, yeah. it's almost you know what's funny is you guys are gonna hate this, but it it reminds me a lot of Unexplored 2. Unexplored, that is exactly say, what yeah. I'm I'm like, it's exploring and using your resources and like going into caves and shit. And I'm like, oh man, this sounds... But like, it's the bare bones of like the good idea that Unexplored 2 is without all the bullshit that made Unexplored 2 like inaccessible and, you know, the parts of it that we didn't like, basically. Yeah, man, I, I cannot recommend it enough. I'm having an absolute blast playing it. So, yep, that's my game. Uh, what was it called again? It's called Insurmountable. Garrett, what you got? So both my games uh, are through the PlayStation Extra store. But the first one I wanted to talk about, I wanted to play for a really long time. And I just never got around to it, is Raymond Legends. It's a 2D platformer, uh, Ubisoft Entertainment, and uh, you play as Raymond. Is it up to four-player co-op? Is that right? Oh, it is. Well, news to me, it's four-player local co-op. I did not <laughs> do that. <laughs> Uh, but the single player is very fun. Uh, there's a ton of secrets in every level. Uh, some are really hard to get 
Some are pretty easy. Every level, you're pretty much unlocking new characters to play as. So you constantly get that dopamine rush of getting free stuff. Do the characters uh, have like different abilities? No, uh, they're just... They, so there's really only five characters and you're basically getting new skins for those five characters over and over again. But the best part about this game, after every boss fight, there is a level that is done to a song. The first one is uh, Black Betty. Awesome. As you run through the level, the song plays. If you stop, the song stops. So oh. every enemy encounter is done to a beat. So every hit is to a beat. Everything is planned out. So you have to be running full speed the whole time. And they are so much fun. They are That's so well done. Cool idea. Love it. Best part about this game by far. Uh, so you're just excited every boss fight to see what the new song is and what the new level is. And then at the very end of all the game, they have a harder version of each one. So you get to replay all the song levels. And it's just a ton of fun little 2D platformer. Does it is I mean, does it feel like playing, I don't know, like Donkey Kong Country or something like is it harkened to yeah. kind of era of games? Yeah, it's not too difficult unless you're trying to go for all the secrets. Then that's when the difficulty comes into play. And definitely some of the latter levels are kind of difficult, but there are at least 50, 60 levels like it's insane. There is so much in this game. You also can unlock the levels from earlier Rayman games. There's there's just a ton of stuff in this game. Oh, I love that. I loved the Rayman games on like oh, the, yeah. like N64 growing mm-hmm. up, dude. Those, yeah. And they're all redone graphics to look like it is now. Currently, it is at $10. That's great deal. Highly yeah, recommend. Yeah, that's a it. steal. Yeah. If you like 2D platformers, you can't go wrong with this. It's a ton of fun. Awesome. Austin, do you have another game for us? I have so many more games for you. Uh, I've I've played a lot of of games uh, in the last few months, but uh, one of them that I was really looking forward to is The Vanishing of Ethan Carter. It's I downloaded that recently. I cannot wait. Yeah, I had been told by a lot of people that like when it came out, it was like one of the best walking simulators. So I decided to play it. It has a really kind of cool, unique storytelling style. So like you're this paranormal detective I don't know what to compare him to other than maybe like Mulder and Scully from the X-Files or something. <laughs> um, but you do have a little bit of like sixth sense. And like when you see stuff, you like reconstruct it in your mind. So like you find a dead body and blood and like you basically once you find enough clues in the area, then like you reconstruct the whole scene in your mind and you have to like figure out what order everything happened in. And then it, like, plays out a movie of what happened. So it's Return of the Oberdin. Uh, Yeah, a little bit. A little bit. Atmosphere, same kind of spooky Lovecraftian stuff going on. Cool. I'm Um, into it. Yeah. I will say there's, at the beginning, it's pretty easy to figure out, like, where you're going. But there's no, there's no objective markers. There's no journal. There's, there's nothing. You just have to, like figure it out where you're going and what you're doing and the map opens up pretty hugely pretty quickly and it's just like it's a giant fucking forest good luck um yeah. and eventually you like find a river and you follow that and you find a town five or six big buildings in the town and there's a church up on the hill and there's stuff and like you just gotta kind of wander around and figure it out more immersive but also sometimes you're just like 
I've been wandering for 10 minutes. What the fuck do I, I don't know if I'm even going the right direction, which is a little unfortunate. The story was interesting and it definitely kept my attention. I really, really hated the ending. Oh um, no. Yeah. <laughs> Seems like I mean, a theme. It's, it's, it was not good. It was much, much worse. Corden's ending was just like, ah, oh, that could have been better, but it was like kind of predictable and like mm, sure. didn't, didn't really pay off as much. This was basically like, it was all a dream. Oh. And you're like, oh, oh fuck. <laughs> <no."> <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, maybe it's a little more than that, but pretty much that was the ending. I was <laughs> oh, very no. sad about that. Um, I was so disappointed. I felt like it was a waste of time. That's, Ooh. that's Ooh. how, that's how upsetting the end was. And, and I just, I felt like it was a lot of like wandering around without getting a whole lot of content out of it. I mean, did it keep your interest while you were playing though? Was like the mechanics, the puzzle solving good enough for you to be like, or, or were you just doing it because you're a completionist? Yeah, I was, I mean, I kind of just did it because it was my Sunday stories game and I wanted to finish it. And it only took me two sessions. I mean, it took four and a half, five hours to beat it. So it was like two, two and a half hour sessions that I did for Sunday stories. But yeah, it, it wasn't really keeping my interest that much. It was interesting at the beginning because it seemed like it had an interesting plot. But yeah, like there's no real puzzle solving, like at all. It's really just... Find enough clues and then the thing happens yeah, for it's you. It's a hidden object game more than anything. Okay. Like you find all the clues and then and then you get just like six sort of ghost silhouettes and then you have to like essentially just guess what order they go in and then it'll show you like a clip and then it's like, oh no, that's wrong. And it's like, okay. And then you just rearrange them until you get it right. It doesn't really feel like you're deducing anything or like sure. figuring anything out. So yeah, I, I'm going to say this might have been a good walking simulator. It was an interesting idea um, for like the reconstructing the scenes and stuff, but I think it was more tedious and more annoying than it was interesting. So I am not recommending it. It's $20. I got it for free and I kind of felt like it was a waste of time. There are much better walking simulators out there. First and foremost of which is... What remains of Edith Fitch? Play that. Game. I have I have both of them in my library and have never played either. So what you're saying is I should play Vanishing <laughs> Ethan Carter first. I guess so. <laughs> because the experience will be better than if I play it after what remains of Edith Fitch. Yes. If you're if you're committed to playing it, then that's definitely the order. <laughs> For sure. But I don't I don't know that I could recommend it. Fair enough. Yeah. What else? You got more for me, Chris? I got another one. Yeah. I played um Subnautica below zero. <laughs> um, anybody who's watched our Twitch channel in the last year knows that I spent quite a lot of time playing the original Subnautica and absolutely loved it. And I was never like a survival crafting game person. I never really got into Minecraft. I hated Terraria for the you know couple hours that we played it. I loved Subnautica, the original one. It was amazing. I have a compilation of video like you know, 10 seconds of me jumping out of my chair every time I got scared by a fish. Um, <laughs> and we'll post that on our social media, probably on our YouTube channel one of these days. But uh, I thought it was great. Um, it like really just like opened up the genre to me and like I'd be willing to play like Minecraft and other games now just because I like I had so much fun getting into Subnautica. Below Zero was 
Eh. It's just, what it is, is it's too short. Is it a sequel or is it DLC? It is neither. Sorry, what? (laughs) (laughs) It was originally developed as DLC. That was the idea. Okay. Um, And then it got too big. It got so big that Unknown Worlds decided that they were just going to release it as its own game. But they don't consider, like in-house, they don't consider it a full sequel to Subnautica. Which makes me feel like hmm. they're gonna make a full the, sequel yeah. to Subnautica, which I would be super into. For context, it took me 44 hours to beat the original one. It took me 24 hours to beat Below Zero. So it's 20 hours shorter. And that is not because I like was in the mode of playing it and like already knew how to like kind of get started and remembered formulas and stuff. I waited like six months in between playing the games. I had completely forgotten everything about the crafting system in Subnautica when I started Below Zero. It literally is just that much shorter of a game. It has much more of an emphasis on the story because the story in Subnautica is kind of bare bones and the Below Zero story is a lot more like in the forefront. There's also just a lot less exploration and definitely like the end game is a lot shorter like in Subnautica, you like you keep building up and building better bases and these you know bigger ships and like the, your whole like mobile base submersible thing to like dive down you know journey to the center of the earth kind of thing. And there's it doesn't really exist in Below Zero. Like they changed the vehicle so that there's only one of them and you like can have all these. It's still a mobile base kind of thing, but you just don't dive as deep and. You don't have to like make use of as many things and the big scary monsters aren't as big or as scary. And I don't know, it, it, the ending was kind of disappointing to me. So yeah, I just didn't like it as much. It's shorter. Um, I actually kind of recommend playing Below Zero before playing Subnautica because the stories are completely, totally unrelated. There's one tiny little thread of like this bacteria that is like the thing that's preventing you from leaving the planet in the first place in the first Subnautica. And they're like you do something slightly to research it in the second one, but like you don't need to have any of the background knowledge at all. So if you've never played either of them, I kind of recommend playing Below Zero first and then playing the full one, just because the ending of the first one is so much more satisfying. Though really the only mechanical difference is that in Below Zero, you're in like the Arctic biome of this. You go back to the same planet that the first one is on and you're in the Arctic biome. And so one of the things you have to pay attention to is you have a cold meter Basically, so when you're on land, which there is a lot more land exploration in Below Zero than there is in the in the original Subnautica, you have to pay attention to that while you're on land. But as soon as you jump back in the water, you don't have to pay attention to how cold it is, which I think is really funny that you wouldn't have to pay attention to how cold the water is in the Arctic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it makes no sense. You only have to pay attention when it's on land. And like, there's so many ways to mitigate or like recharge it while you're on land that it it's sort of a non-entity. Like it just doesn't yeah. matter at all. You never have to pay. T- you have to purposefully die from like, just stand out in the middle and not move anywhere or like right. get like, to a cave or anything. Sure it makes it so that you need to keep moving, but, but like, you're always keeping that. moving. Any- and the thing is the, like the big land exploration thing that you do, there are other factors, AKA land monsters that make you keep moving. So the, the cold thing didn't need to exist you to do that got it yeah i mean it's all right if you really like survival crafting games i would say yeah it's 29.99 on steam 
if you again if you really love minecraft if you really loved the first subnautica go ahead and play it but the first one is way better and it's probably cheaper and you will get more enjoyment out of it side note i recently learned that twenty thousand leagues under the sea refers not to the depth that the nautilus and captain nemo went to that's ridiculous you would be deep inside the earth's core at twenty thousand leagues down it Correct. means they're under the sea and, and they, they travel yeah. distance of 20,000 <laughs> leagues. And I was like, yes. oh, that makes way more sense. <laughs> I was older than I am willing to admit when I realized when I, or when I learned that, I guess. Hey, well, you know, you you probably weren't 32, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not, considering I'm still not. <laughs> um, Garrett, anything else? Yeah, next game I want to talk about, I mean, it's wildly popular and it's been out for quite a long time. I just was late to the game. Ghost of Tsushima. Tsushima? Tsushima. 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 Totino's Beast Throne. But yeah, it's a massive open world game, amazing graphics in old style Japan. Uh, you're trying to drive the Mongols out of Japan. Story's great. All the side quests are a lot of fun. But the best part about this game is the combat. With each weapon type you see coming at you, you change stances. And the stances are better equipped to deal with that weapon type. But you have six guys coming at you at once. So it's you have to constantly be changing weapon types and hitting one guy, switching up. And it just feels so satisfying and you look so badass doing it. Now, like mechanically, is it more like Arkham Knight, like light attack, heavy attack, dodge, parry sort of thing? Oh, well, yeah, the, the basic combat is light attack, heavy attack, dodge, yeah, and parry. But you're switching between like R1 triangle is your, I don't, I don't know the names of the stances, but you have four set stances and it changes up how your attacks work and the style of which you're attacking. And then there's also one-on-one samurai battles, which is very technical on having to parry and having to learn how to dodge at the right time. A ton of fun. Reminds me of Dark Souls battles with the one-on-one samurai fights. Did you play Sekiro? Uh, yeah. Did this make you feel like more of a, uh, a samurai blades master than Sekiro? Uh, different. This is a little easier, a little easier than Sekiro, but both accomplish the same thing. You feel like an absolute badass when you perfect it. I'm sorry. Sekiro, shadows die twice. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Uh, But yeah, this game is currently, oh God, $70 on PlayStation 5 for the the remastered one. Don't recommend that. It's $20 on PS4. I would just say get PlayStation Extra at that point. Fantastic. If you have PlayStation Extra, absolutely play this game. Give it a try. And I mean, it's like, is it is it kind of open world too? Yeah. And uh, after the first like section of the map, uh, I don't want to ruin any story bits, but you have to fight this main Mongol guy and then the map really opens up. Yeah. Uh, it is massive. Are there RPG elements? Are you like leveling up? Yeah, you're leveling up. You're getting skill trees that you can build out. Oh, cool. Uh, yeah, there's a ton in this game. You don't have all the weapon stances at the start of the game. You have sure, to unlock sure. those. You gotta, so, yeah. you gotta earn that. Shit. You gotta earn those. <laughs> it's $60 on PC. 
though. Just another Ooh. just another Ooh. option out there. It's cheaper than the PS5. I guess it's cheaper than the PS5. <laughs> but I, I mean, I imagine this. I mean, it's a AAA game. I imagine it's 80 hours of gameplay. Oh, like, yeah. Easily. Okay. I, I'm not done with it, and I've already put 40 hours in. Yeah, I mean, I imagine somebody who really liked something like, you know, Assassin's Creed Odyssey or something might really enjoy. Well, this. and there's also a four player co-op style in the game, which is like dungeons that you do. And you all have different oh, styles cool. of gameplay. So there's a stealth guy. There's a tank guy. There's a healer guy. And that's also a ton of fun. Uh, well, I'm going to piggyback a little bit off of Chris's crafting game. I finally... I'm ready to talk about Stardew Valley. Oh, you've been playing that a lot. Yeah. <laughs> well, I was playing it a lot a long time ago, and it's just been, it's kind of been sitting in my library. I, I basically finished like a year and a half of the game uh, in, in game time, and which took me like 60 hours or so. Um, so yeah, I, I played a good amount of this game, and I really loved this game at the beginning. I love the sense of progression in the game. Right, you're you're a big city lad, and your grandpa gives you a deed to a farm out in this peaceful little village called Stardew Valley, and you know it's this tranquil little place, and you go and become a farmer. Almost everyone has heard of this game or played this game. I really enjoyed like the beginning where you have nothing and you have to like get all the rocks and stumps off your property and start planting your stuff and growing it up and like start making your first couple dollars by selling your parsnips to the store. And, like, there's a really good sense of progression, and there's these, like, bundles that you gotta complete, and those gave you, like, really clear goals of, like, what you should be working towards in the game. Mm -hmm. I loved all of that, and I loved, like, going into the mines because I needed more copper, because I needed to build more sprinklers so that I didn't have to get up every day and water all my fucking plants. That's a pain in the ass. (laughs) And, And, like, it's very, it's satisfying to, like, build that out and make it happen, but, like, as you get towards kind of the end of those bundles, some bundles where the items are only available at a certain type of year in certain weather conditions. And right. So it took me 60 hours to get through a year and a half. So by the way, if winter just ended and you now realize that you need this one particular kind of fish to finish the bundle, which is like how you really progress in the game, you're going to spend another 40 hours of game time waiting. For that to come back around so that you can get that fish. So in in Animal Crossing, you can like change up the time in your system. Can you do that in this game? I don't think so. Because it's not it's not based on real time. It's like in game. You have to spend the days like farming. Oh, and I (laughs) was like, and I, I think there are there are probably ways if you know the secrets to the game by magic fish bait from some vendor. So like if you're just wandering through the game, just trying to figure shit out, you just get hosed. And so I just kind of got to this point in the game where I'm like, I am just grinding out day after day, basically just waiting for the fucking season to change. And, that seems not um, good. Yeah. And, you know, maybe if I had uh, looked up a guide before I went and played, I, I wouldn't have run into these problems because they would have told me what items to be looking out for in the first year. But I didn't. I was just trying to build my farm. And I, I mean, I was looking at the stuff I needed, but you don't know what's what when you first start. 
So I don't know, it just kind of became tedious at the end. All the kind of the fun and the progression kind of just evaporate after a while. Although pursuing my lady love was a was a great joy. Uh, look, it's 15 bucks on Steam sort of permanently now. I actually, despite the fact that I got like bored and a little, I thought it was tedious, I enjoyed my time getting up to that point. So I actually do recommend it for $15. I think basically everyone would enjoy this game. I think it's cute and adorable and well-crafted. But here's my advice is play it for as long as it makes you happy. And when it starts feeling like a job, when it starts feeling like you're doing chores <laughs> and checking off a checklist and it feels tedious, it's okay. Just, you can stop playing. You had fun. But your crops, your crops though. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I, I basically, I gave up. I gave up on Stardew Valley. I was like, you know what? I'm not, I wanted to finish. I wanted to get to the end of year two. I'm like, I'm just not having fun anymore. So I gave up on it. And despite that, I still recommend it because the first 50 hours were fantastic. What a weird recommendation. Yeah. I know. <laughs> uh, you guys got anything else? I have one quick one. Um, if you own Returnal, they came out with an update for it. There is a hundred level a tower that you have to do in one go. And it is extremely hard. There's a ton of ec new bosses in it. It's a ton of fun. And in the tower, you can do two-player co-op. And Ooh, it is amazing. That sounds so, so fun. Highly recommend if you have Returnal, go back to it and check it out. I realized I do have another game to talk about. Hey, great. Because <laughs> uh, I completely forgot about it because it's so short and I played it so long ago. Probably like right after our last one. Um, I played this on Austin's recommendation because it's free. And it's really short on Steam. It's a point-and-click adventure called If on a Winter's Night for Travelers. Oh, yeah. And it is amazing. It's just a, like an 8-bit little point-and-click with a extremely compelling... I, three extremely compelling short stories that are all like sort of tangentially related in the sense of like all the characters are sitting in a room telling them to each other. And it's like kind of a good twist ending. And um, I really don't want to talk about it that much because like it it's pretty heavy and there's some good twists and stuff it's free and it's a fun little point and click and it takes you know an hour and a half or two hours or whatever maybe and i can't recommend it enough i also recommend that game just do be do be a little bit cognizant i mean despite the fact that it is pixel graphics there's some pretty heavy pretty intense content it's really good now I'm curious. <laughs> no, I've been, there's some heavy the thematic content that legitimately does deserve a warning. I mean, there's some suicide okay. and gore uh, and... Pixel on pixel action? <laughs> it, no, it's just like, it's very clearly telling a story with a moral and they don't back down from the story mm. that they're talking about. Genuinely is heavy and that's what makes it compelling. That's what makes the story so interesting. But like... People should be warned that, like it, you know, if that, those things are are a, a trigger for you, maybe avoid it. All right, I'm done. Okay, cool. <laughs> I've got I've got two more. I will I will go through them fairly quickly. Uh, I finished. I've been wanting to play it uh, since it came out. I finally got around to playing The Forgotten City, which is also a walking simulator. It is a walking simulator that takes place inside an ancient Roman city, and you are stuck in a time loop. So that anytime you die or other things happen, um, you basically start the day over. There's probably like 10 name characters that you talk to and interact with. 
They're all well-fleshed out, well-developed, three-dimensional characters. The writing is fantastic. The characters are funny and cynical and have their own stories to tell and their own lives that they're living. The mysteries of what's going on with the time loop and why there's golden statues everywhere and what's going on with the caves underneath. And there's a sealed temple. There's all these mysteries. It is so good. So, so, so good. It feels kind of like a telltale game or something where you're you're meeting these characters and there's this great story and, you know, you're making these choices, except, like, the characters are super well done. The choices actually matter and the story is totally unique and amazing. I did not know how they were going to end it and bring it all together. The ending was fan-fucking-tastic. It is excellent. It might be the best walking simulator ever. Right up there with What Remains of Edith Finch. Maybe better. It's $25. I unreservedly recommend it. Can't recommend it highly enough. And I'm going to throw in one more bonus to this episode here. Not really a backlog because it came out this year. But Patrick's Parabox is a 2D puzzle game. It is... I love puzzle games. Anybody who knows me, and I'm sure you guys have picked this up on the show. Y'all know I love puzzle games. I play shitloads of puzzle games. Patrick's Parabox is unequivocally the best 2D puzzle game ever made. Period. End of story. And probably the best puzzle game since Portal 2 otherwise. Wow. That is a bold statement, sir. It's fucking incredible. The difficulty curve is perfect. I've never seen a puzzle game with as good a difficulty curve. Every puzzle is totally unique and just a little bit different and a little twist on the one that came before it. And you just have to keep learning new ways of doing things and new ways of interacting. And it just keeps stretching your brain a little bit more. It constantly made me feel smart and it constantly blew my mind every time they introduced a new mechanic or even a new way to use an old mechanic to solve uh, a new problem. It's, it's incredible. If you like puzzle games at all, buy it. Just buy it. It's so, so, so good. I really don't like puzzle games, like unblock me kind of puzzle games, Mm -hmm. right? Where like the right order of how you push things is important. I don't like that. This game does kind of have some of that, but it's not the focus of the game and it never frustrated me because it's so easy to undo moves and just to restart the puzzle. The answer is never like, oh, push this over, then push this up, then push this back, then push this down, then push this over. Push. You're never making incremental progress. The solution is always elegant. It is always just seeing, ah, uh, it's this, then this. Ah, uh, of course, that's the right answer. I saw you playing a lot of that game. At first look, it looks like a very simple puzzle game, but some of the stuff you can do in it is wild. It changes it so much. Mind- yeah, they use like <laughs> size changing and recursion where you're inside a puzzle and within that has another representation <laughs> of the puzzle you're inside in that pu- it's mind-blowing but it's never like i don't get what's happening here like they introduce mm-hmm. it slowly enough that you can figure out everything also there's a free demo so if you if you have any doubt at all just go download the free demo and see what it's all about for yourself I'm um, taking my earlier advice from myself and <laughs> putting it on my wish list. Any puzzle game that Austin recommends. <laughs> it's $20. I recommend it unreservedly to everyone on Earth. The challenge puzzles are very difficult, but if you stay to the main quest line, 
I promise, like, it's all doable. I guess that'll do it for us here at Hidden Doors and High Scores. Thanks so much for listening to this episode. Until next time, I'm Austin. I'm Garrett. And I'm Chris. You can find us at HDHS Gaming on all the social media platforms. Make sure to check us out on Twitch to see what we are playing and talking about. And come and join us on Discord. Maybe you'll see us play some of the games we talked about tonight. Or we'll play games for that we talk about in another 10 episodes <laughs> for our third backlog. Bonanza. <laughs> Lastly, if you like this podcast, make sure to tell us a friend. Give us a rating. Moves us up in the charts. Gives us more visibility. We can reach a wider audience. That really helps us out. And we would really appreciate it.